worship and praise of our God today. Praise God. Any of you have fingernails left after the first half of yesterday's football game? I, mine, mine were in jeopardy. O-H. Oh, my, my. Oh, my. Praise God. We do want to welcome everyone and those watching on the live stream to our gathering to praise the Lord today here at Trinity. We want to begin with special prayer for Israel today. Many of you have witnessed on the news that in a diabolical sneak attack, the Hamas terrorists have uh, launched an attack. Okay. Don't move your hands. Don't cross your arms. Yeah, one foot to be a flamingo. Yes. Okay. The Hamas, which is a terrorist group that has found their home in the Gaza Strip among the Palestinians in Gaza near the area where uh, one of the giants we'll be talking about in our new series uh, lived. Remember Gath? Well, that's just down the street from Gaza. And those folks from Gaza launched missiles and came to some of the settlements in the West Bank. And, uh, but we're praying for Netanyahu, the prime minister, and the forces of <laughs> of the Israeli defense he declared war which means this is not going to be handled as a border skirmish this war the last time he declared war was what they call the six day war wherein six days Israel defeated nations and terrorist groups from five sides in six days. I'm praying for a similar result in short term. I know many of you that are traveling with us to Israel, we're just pushing the pause button to see what occurs. We will not go any place that's not safe and you know that and uh, just Push the pause button for a little bit and just pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Would you stand with me right now and let's do that very thing as commanded in the scriptures. <clears throat> Father, from the beginning of time you established a people through whom you would bring Messiah, through whom you would bring the message of a relationship with you through whom you would show yourself that those who would bless them would be blessed, and those who curse them would be cursed. The history of your people, we praise you that you sent Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. And the same forces that had tried to destroy him 
after he was born are still at work today. We pray, Father God, for the people of Israel going through this horrific attack by the terrorists. We pray, Father, that the Palestinian people would rise up and resist them as well. We pray, Father, for those that were taken captive some, from some of those perimeter villages, and we pray for their safe return. We pray, Father, for wisdom and direction for Prime Minister Netanyahu, that, Father God, it would be quickly resolved and bring your peace to that area. We pray, Father, right now for the souls of those who are launching the attacks. We pray, Father, that they would come to know that they have gone against God's chosen people. We pray for your hand of, of help and healing and strength. We ask it in Jesus' name. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And now, Father, receive our praise in this place today as we lift up our voices once again to praise you and give honor to your name. For we ask it in the name of our Messiah, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
access to those aisles and everything, why don't we just have a little bit of standing on the Promises Fellowship this morning. Move out from where you're standing and go greet somebody in the joy of the Lord today. Give them a holy hug, a happy handshake, a high five. Bless the Lord and give fellowship to your brothers and sisters. If you want to bring it back in, have a seat. All right, everybody, let's find a seat. I know, you can't let them go. They never come back. Thomas. Hi, buddy. We want to welcome everybody here today. We're glad to see all your faces with us. If we have any guests today, Grandpa, if you want to come down. If we have any guests today in the building or joining us on the live stream, we want to give you a, a special thank you for joining us today. And if you are a guest, this is your first time here, um, this dashing young man has a com connection card for you to fill out if you want to place that in the offering um, plates on your way out. That way we can keep in contact with you and you can keep up to date with the things that are going on here at Trinity. If we get a warm round of applause for all of our guests today.
And then first and foremost, before I forget again, um, Tom has an announcement for us. So if Tom, you will come up here. Over. Thank you very much. As you know, uh, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, uh, not just in the Assemblies of God, but all throughout the Christian ministry. And... Uh, each year we, we celebrate our pastors, and we are going to do that publicly on Sunday, October the 22nd. It's two weeks from today, this morning, 10 o'clock. You won't want to be late, uh, but we are going to honor our pastors. We will have uh, some gift card baskets in the back for you to uh, just show your appreciation, send a card, uh, put a note in there, tell them what you think of them, good or bad, doesn't matter. Good or bad. Let, be be not be nice, please. This is appreciation, <laughs> um, but we're going to have a small presentation for them here. The best gift that you can give them is to simply to be here. You folks that are watching by live stream that uh, are not able to come or live so far away that you you tune in, you can honor them as well by just sending in a card to the church here for them. Uh, I know they've already received a card or two uh, from friends outside of the church because it is Appreciation Month. So I just hope that you'll all be here to help us celebrate and honor our pastors. Uh, got <laughs> Food gift cards. Cash is always good. Checks are good too. Uh, seriously though, uh, the best gift that you can give them is simply to be here, show your love, uh, and, and, and just bless them, because we love you. We need you. We appreciate you. Uh, Thank you, Sir Thomas of the Craigs. Today is uh, Mission Sunday. Um, and we just want to recognize missions and all that it is today. Um, Saturday, we have men's breakfast, and we have Jamie speaking. So come out if you're able to make it out Saturday. Don't worry, he should stop talking before the game starts. So that would be good. Um, board meeting, it, we have a board meeting Saturday, as well as next Sunday, Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. So make sure that your kids bring in your, their buddy barrels for that next week, um, and then they can get all that in. Columbus West Park Ministries is next Sunday, the 15th at 2 p.m. So if you are able and you're you know, willing to assist in that, we would greatly appreciate any help that we can get with that. Um, as Tom mentioned, we have pastor appreciation. And then, all right, here's the big one. Flag football sign-up. The last, sign, the last day to sign up, if you haven't already, is today. So at the end of the day, we're done with that. Um, but also, something super exciting that we've added to that is, drum roll please. All right, so you know how it's usually really difficult to go and get your food and then come back to watch the greatest sport of all time and the greatest competition ever? Well, this, this year we're going we're gonna to help you out a little bit with that, and now the, the youth group 
is going to be having a chili fundraiser. Um, lunch includes a choice of uh, a bowl of chili, walking taco, hot dog or chips, along with a drink and a dessert. And you get all that for $10. So if you're worried about where you're gonna go get lunch and make it back in time to see the greatest game of all time, you can just head downstairs and have a lunch with everyone here and just continue the time of fellowship. It'll be great to have everybody come out. Also, we wanna encourage everyone on that Sunday, October 29th, sport your teams. Wear your favorite team's jerseys, wear whatever you want, memorabilia. There's, there's, not, a, there's not usually a dress code here at, at Trinity except for the 29th. I want everyone to wear their favorite team's sports. And then last but not least, we have a fellowship luncheon on Sunday, November 5th in the fireside room following the morning service. If you are able to attend that, um, just please make sure that you sign up in the lobby so we kind of know what to anticipate for that. And if everyone wants to join me in standing, we can re-enter a time of worship. Oh, guys, I did it again. Second week in a row. Pastor's going to come up and say something. There you go. We give him too much to read. I, I, you know. We're going to ask the ushers to come. We're going to bless the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. This is an act of praise. This is an act of worship. Out of your heart of love for the Lord, we invite you to give. So as soon as I get my ushers here... Don't rush to us. <laughs> Give them a lunch break, you got to retreat them. Uh, Father, we're so thankful to be able to give you a praise offering today. We've given you the fruit of our lips, our praise of song and clapping of hands and instruments of worship. And now we give a blessing of our tithes and our offerings for the furtherance of the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets people free from sin. We give out of love and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
answer is yes, he will. He will meet us here again. How many believe that God will meet us afresh today? God desires to meet with his people as we gather in his name by his Holy Spirit, anointed the word that, Father God, you will meet with us again. It is your perfect will to speak truth to your people's hearts. Speak your mercy and your love and your grace, your miraculous power. Meet us here again, Lord. Meet us here again. We give you all praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Have you ever said something and immediately realized that you'd made a huge mistake? How many of you have ever done that? Uh, this morning, I, I was, I'm so torqued up about the message and this series that I thought I might get out of control, and I mentioned to uh, Pastor Jamie that uh, he still knows how to use a fire hose. If I get too inflamed, douse me, and he smiled. I, 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 uh, uh, just concerned that I may have given him permission to do something I'm not prepared for. I mentioned a few weeks ago that we've been pursuing a series of messages about giants in the land. Amen. Giants in the land. We're going to launch that today. And We want to explore the fact that these are factual accounts in the Scripture, and yet they all have spiritual ramifications, spiritual things that we can learn about the giants that are in the land, how they got there, what they do, how they can be brought down by a common, ordinary person with God on their side. Sometimes we think of giants as being unbelievably powerful that cannot be brought down. How can we turn things around that are in gigantic proportion? But the Word of God is filled with examples of big spiritual giants and little tiny stones that can bring them down. And we're going to be exploring that in the weeks to come. Would you take the word of God with me? Stand in honor and respect because the author is in the house today. Amen. People of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. Genesis chapter 6. You say, well, Pastor, you've preached on this passage before. Yes, I have, and I'm going to preach on it again. Because there's somebody didn't get it first time, and uh, I'm one of them. But I, I, uh, we're, we're going to be looking here, Genesis chapter 6, and beginning with verse number 1. 
Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were being born to them that the sons of God saw daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the land, giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that, oh, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of of the Lord. Father God, help us as we explore these spiritual giants that are in the earth. Giants in the land that seem to be so powerful they cannot be taken down. But somebody like a Noah can find grace in the eyes of the Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> there were giants on the earth. There were giants in the land. Many have stumbled over this passage, and I know I've taught on it many times, but some may have missed it, and some may still be confused, and some said, I thought I heard it somewhere, and others would say, it was there, you heard it, okay. You have to look at the context of the text. You're going to become weary of me saying it over these many years I've been pastor here. It's the context, folks. You can't pull the scriptures out of context and make them a pretext for false teaching and false doctrine. Well, I better get real in from that. I, I am so upset today. Uh, I got to constrain myself here. Oh, my, my. Genesis 4, flip over there, and in Genesis 4, somebody's... I uh, got somebody at your front door. I heard, uh, yeah, I heard the ring there. Okay. You might want to, yeah. Genesis 4 gives us the lineage 
of Cain. After his sin, his rebellion, God gave him a chance to repent and he refused it. It gives us the lineage of Cain and those who uh, were born into that clan. In that lineage, polygamy begins. Murder is established as a pattern of life. Revenge, hate, incest, and no association with God, repentance, or being righteous. The lineage of Cain speaks of materialism, of the power and the strength of man that nothing is denied us, but they're doing it all without a relationship with God. Genesis 5 then tells us the story of the godly lineage of Adam through Seth. When Adam and Eve sinned, they confessed and they had a sacrifice and they walked again with God. Yes, they were evicted from the garden for their own good. But God walked with them. In Seth's lineage, we have person after person who learned to walk with God. We have the classic example of Enoch who walked with God and did not suffer death because God just took him home one day. Oh, church, it is possible to walk with God in such a way it may happen in our lifetime that God is going to say, I'm just going to take him home. I'm going to sound a trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Enoch was the first one to experience that. It was a godly line. There were godly people in there passing down relationship with God as their heritage. In that lineage, we find Noah. We find the one guy on planet Earth who's standing against the flood tide of evil. The result was, chapter 4, the lineage of Cain, sin, wickedness, murder, immorality and no relationship with God and the lineage of Seth godly men following godly examples families committed to the Lord but we show up in chapter 6 and we find that the beautiful daughters of Cain caught the eye of the sons of Seth, the sons of God, the godly line, and they compromised their faith for relationships. Now, one would think that if you have a, a beaker full of 
white liquid and a beaker full of black liquid that if you put them together, you will get kind of a gray liquid, right? But when you have the godly lineage of Seth and the wicked lineage of Cain, when they come together because of compromise, it's all black. It's all black. Doesn't make any sense unless you know the scriptures. It says that when they came together, they didn't follow the godly line. They followed the heritage and lineage of Cain. And their thoughts and intentions of their heart were totally evil all the time. Compromise does not lend itself to godliness. Just the opposite. Out of the intermingling of those two lineages, we hear that giants showed up. Superior men Men of war without a relationship with God. The compromise produced a super class of people without a relationship with the God who could change their lives. Gigantic evil. Now, I was raised in the Methodist church, and it wasn't Methodist teaching, but my Sunday school teacher taught us that uh, what this meant was that angels saw the women and married them and they had kids. Well, Jesus said that ain't happening. That don't happen. Angels are created beings that are genderless and cannot engage in marital relationships. Let's follow the book, shall we? Let's follow the book. It's the godly lineage, the sons of God, and the Cain's lineage of evil and murder and deceit and immorality. And when you let down and compromise your walk with God because of the wink of an eye, you become like the one you're trying to please. Here we are in Genesis 6. Compromised faith from the Father's side. Godless guidance from the mother's side. Giants with no moral compass doing what they want versus what God wants. And the Lord said, I'm just going to remove them. I, this is not what I had in mind. What a world. God is ready to throw it all down the drain until he finds one guy on planet Earth 
who is of the lineage of Seth, the sons of God, who has not compromised his faith, even though he's surrounded with a gigantic compromise of people marrying in to the lineage of Cain. One man refused to compromise. Now we're talking about the whole earth at that time. One guy. What difference can one person make? I mean, don't you ever feel frustrated? You look at society and you see the things going on. He says, but, but what can one guy, one gal do? Can I have any impact whatsoever on society? And it's as I was studying this, the answer is really no. But his victory did not come from changing his society. It came from touching the heart of God for mercy. Noah couldn't change anybody. But he preached about a God who could. About a God who would forgive. About a God who had principles that were inviolate. That a God who loved people had, was willing to show mercy, but he wanted repentance. He wanted a relationship with the people. One man raised his family surrounded by the giants of the age, and they were all safe in the ark one day while the giants perished. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There were giants in the land. Amen? They were still there. The giants were just as large when Noah started preaching as they were when he went into the ark. He did not change the giants, but he changed the movement of the hand of God to show mercy. If you forget everything else in this series but this, know, that, know this fact. You may have be able to have no effect on your society, but God can. I may not be able to change the, the ways that people see and the things that people do, but I know a God who can. I know a God who has all things and all powers available to touch and change lives. I've seen him change lives, haven't you? Has he changed your life? Did he take you from somebody that was wrapped up in sin and the chains that bound you of sin and he set you free? Praise God, the chains are gone. We sang about it today. Praise God, the chains are gone. You can't change society, but your God can. Your frustration is when you think you can. There were mighty giants in the land, but Noah preached holiness. There were wicked giants in the land, but Noah 
preached about a God who was not willing for any to perish. He wanted all to come in to the ark. There were giants in the land, but Noah preached repentance and coming to the Lord. The size and number of the giants did not stop Noah from speaking God's word to a generation that was turning a deaf ear. But he preached on. The good news is that if one person could change the pattern of what God was going to do, one person found grace in the eyes of the Lord because they had determined they were going to follow God rather than the course of the day. That lets me know I may not be able to change much, but my God can. Amen. I need to get as close to him as I can. Amen. Noah did not compromise his message to become acceptable to the giants of the age. They were men of renown. Everybody knew who they were. Everybody mocked this one who was building a boat in the middle of a desert climate. But he kept building, and he kept preaching. And any one of those that would have found access to prayer and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry, they could have come into the safety of the ark. You see, Noah was not preaching you're lost and there's no hope. He was a preacher of righteousness. That's what the Bible says, that there's a right way and you can follow it with God's help. He was wanting them to come into the safety of the ark. <clears throat> We've thought about it many times, haven't we? By modern success standards, he was a failure as a preacher. But he was a success because his family was safe in the ark. You may have no control over the rest of the world, but preach Christ to your family. Live Christ in your family. Live the word of God in the midst of your family. Can you make them? No, but you, there's a God who can draw hearts and can touch and change lives. <clears throat> I was, this past Thursday, I thank so many of you for praying for us as we were preaching a funeral up in Galleon, Ohio. And we had good, a good time there. Everything went smoothly. Praise God. Thank you for your prayers. The fellow who had passed away was a dear friend. His name was Art, and Art was a small fella. He had a speech impediment. He had many limitations, but they never stopped him. He came on the volunteer. I was, I was pastoring the church there, and they... They had a bunch of young boys, and we started a ranger outpost. And I went to classes and took the training so that I could train the leaders for the boys' program. And I was a little concerned, I must admit. I was concerned. 
when Art showed up for the class. Because on a good day, I couldn't understand what Art was saying. If you paid real close attention, maybe. But there he was sitting on the front row taking notes. And he, he passed the class with flying colors. And when asked what age level he'd like to work with, he, he says, I want the youngest ones. And I watched. <clears throat> I watched as this fellow that had all kinds of limitations poured his soul into reaching every one of those boys under his care. And at kids' crusades and at different times of revival, he would be praying around the altar with those kids. He led every single boy in his class to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. One would have thought it impossible, but it wasn't about art. It was about his God. And he showed the love of God to those kids. Those kids would have walked through anything for him. They sat with him. They ran to him any time they came in the door. They were all over him. They were over at his house. If they were in the neighborhood, they would stop by and Art always welcomed them in. And they were able to know what he was saying, even though it was difficult because they heard his heart and they knew that they were loved. Folks, they're giants in the land. And if we focus only on the size of the giants that are against us, we'll miss the reality that one man God used. One man who was sold out to God. One man who reached his own family, surrounded by all the wickedness. You saw what it said. Every thought not just a few thoughts. They didn't just have a bad day. Every thought of their heart continually was evil all the time. Their Noah's boys are surrounded with this. They're raised in a good home, but they're susceptible to the society around it. But to me, that's fantastic news. It doesn't matter how evil the age. One person can find grace in the eyes of the Lord and lives can be changed. A world where the once righteous, godly line have compromised their faith to be acceptable to Cain's lineage. A world where biblical standards in the home and marriage have been set aside and culture dictated what was going on. There were giants in the land. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Huh. Front page news here. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. 
that every intent of the thoughts of his heart, not just the thoughts, but the intent behind the thought was evil continually. They got to that place by the first giant we want to talk about, this first spiritual giant. Compromise. Social acceptability and spiritual compromise is a gigantic problem today, and it was back then too. When you only have one guy out of the entire population, <laughs> God is ready to throw in his creation as a lost cause. But one person from the lineage of Seth is still holding on to the principles of God and teaching them in his home and has an open heart to proclaim it in the age. The giant of social acceptability and spiritual compromise was huge back then. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in a society where every thought, every intent of the heart is evil continually? You say, well, it sounds like today. Well, what's it like? Doesn't it aggravate you and frustrate you and cause you to wring your hands and, and realize, oh my goodness, I, I, I want to just perform my own rapture and get out of here. But Noah kept plodding on and kept his family in the midst of an evil time. In the weeks to come, we'll be looking at some of the other giants in the land. We'll look at the, the Israelites when they went, were ready to go into the promised land, and they saw giants. Giants that were really of their own making. We were in their sight as grasshoppers. We felt like grasshoppers before them. Sometimes our giants are not really that big, but we make them that way. We're going to be talking about some warring giants and stones that bring them down. How to defeat the giants of the land. We'll be looking at some other gigantic problems that face us today. But let's just take this one. A giant of social acceptability and spiritual compromise. It brought down the entire godly lineage of Seth, except for one guy. That's pretty effective evil. The blending of the godly lineage of Seth, the sons of God, with the evil lineage of Cain did not produce half-righteous people and half-evil people. They were all evil. Social acceptability and spiritual compromise eat at the very heart of a relationship with God. Accepting 
believing that he will accept less than his standards. It's been called the cancer of the soul. John chapter 8, Jesus says in verse 34, Verily, verily, I say to you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin, the slave of sin. The Bible gives us numerous illustrations of the danger of spiritual compromise to be socially acceptable. You've read about it many times, I'm sure. When God gave the promise of the land, the promised land to the people of Israel, they'd never seen it. They'd heard about it, but they'd never seen it. And before they ever crossed over, he said, I'm going to divide up this land so that each tribe has a certain part of it. And Judah, you get Jerusalem where the temple's going to be, ultimately. You get the, the city of Jerusalem. And he says, but you're going to have to fight for it because there are entrenched Canaanite tribes in the area Tribes that are evil and wicked and they must be driven out so that you can occupy the land that I have given to you. They had been given it, but they had to possess it. And there's a distinction. It's not without a fight. It's not without a fierceness. And the people of Judah went into their land, into their area, the area of Judah, and they found that the city was occupied by a group called the Jebusites. Actually, the city of Jerusalem was called Jabus at one time, the Jebula, Jebusite capital. Now, they were a Canaanite people in the sense that they believed in the the god Baal and sacrificing infants to him and you've probably never heard of people that are willing to sacrifice the innocents they all come from the same place the pits of hell the Jebusites were a warring people and, and here, here's what the scripture says about them in Joshua 15, 63, Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, Joshua, the Jebusites live there right alongside the people of Judah. That was in Joshua's day. They, they had just come into the promised land the, the people of Judah went up. They said, oh, we can't beat them. We might as well join them. And so they, they had a peace treaty. They said, can't we all just get along? We won't bother you about your traditions. You don't bother us about ours. We'll just live side by side, and we'll just love on each other. And, and, and we, won't, we won't pick on your, your practices of killing babies and sacrificing them on the altar. And you don't pick on us for sacrificing to our God 
the sacrifices of animals. And we'll have our feasts, and you can have your festivals. And you can have an immoral lifestyle with prostitutes and all kinds of things that are acceptable, and, and we'll, we'll go according to the rules of our God. And we can just peacefully coexist in this city of Jerusalem. Let a thousand years pass. A thousand years, it's all it took. Actually, 900. And David is bringing the army up to Jerusalem. And when he arrives, there is not one single Jew left in the city of Jerusalem. It was totally, 100% occupied by Jebusites. Totally. Totally operated by the Jebusites. They had their high places of worship to sacrifice the infants, but there was no sacrificial altar for the people of God because they had been consumed. They were sucked into the lifestyle and couldn't let go. Social acceptability. You cannot compromise with evil and get half good and half evil. You've already compromised and it becomes totally wrong. Another illustration from the Bible. You know the story well. Abraham and his nephew were uh, out in the promised land and they were having some fights among their servants over water rights and cattle herds and whatever. And Abraham's, hey, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. Just, you just pick the direction you want. You can have that land and we'll be fine. We're going to be blood relatives. We're going to be fine. And so he looked off in the distance. He saw a nice area there. Uh, we know it as Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and he, he set up his herds and flocks outside the city limits. And then after a while, he was inside the city limits. And then he was a place where he was a part of the city council. And he sat at the gate of the city as one of the, the town leaders. And his wife became so involved in the society of Sodom and Gomorrah that when God came down and said, I'm going to judge it because of its immorality, she could not let it go. She'd become a part of the compromise. You say, you really believe she turned into a pillar of, of salt? Yeah. Because I believe what the Bible says. Well, why would God do that? As a lingering reminder. Now, when we go over to Israel, and yes, it's on pause right now, till we see what uh, Brother Netanyahu is going to do, I have a hunch 
<laughs> I just got a feeling. Uh, Six-day war sounds good to me. How about you? With a total victory. And you see, the last time they declared war on those forces, by the end of the fifth day, the enemy forces were begging the United Nations to step in because Israel was halfway to everybody's capital city and they were picking up steam. And the enemy was in reverse retreat and they were running for their lives and the United Nations had to come in and say, now, now Israel, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. Well, why? They started it. Yeah, but, but, but you've got to stop. I'd kind of like to see that kind of outcome again. That's just me. But I believe what the Word of God says is true. And when I go over to Israel, I go to the Dead Sea area where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And they have deposits of salts and minerals that are taller than I am. And they have some in the Ahava uh, factory there. One of them is six feet tall and has every characteristic of looking like a person. I think God could do that, don't you? If he can form a man out of the dust of the ground, how many of you believe that? I, I believe he could do that as a reminder to everyone around, when they see the pillars of salt, don't cross God's word. God means what he says. Social acceptability, spiritual compromise. It's all throughout the scriptures. Now, I'm a student of history. I love history. Here's a date for you. September 30th, 1938. A propeller airplane lands. A very tall, distinguished gentleman in a black coat emerges. He comes down to the steps to the tarmac. He's just back from attending a meeting in Munich, Germany with Adolf Hitler. Hitler is amassing his troops and attacking every country and threatening every other country. Neville Chamberlain, the prime minister, comes down the steps and he stands and he proclaims to the media, it's broadcast by radio around the world in every major newspaper, the headlines were Peace in Our Time. He said he had worked out a compromise with Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. That there were certain parts that of Europe, Czechoslovakia to be one, Great Britain didn't have any ties with them, and so you can take them. Just leave everybody else alone. And in the report, 
he is lauded and proclaimed the great compromiser of our time. He worked out a deal with Adolf Hitler to declare peace in our time. That's 1938. Two years later, Nazi bombers are making daily runs over England. They cannot have lights on at night. They have to shield from any light inside a house. I, was, I saw a documentary the other day of one individual who was in charge of painting black over golden spires and domes in the city because light from the balmers would reflect off and they would know where to balm certain places. Every night from 1940 to 1945, the Nazi balmers came. There was no peace. 1945, here's the statistics. Over 450,000 people of Great Britain died in those years of peace in our time. He was first of all called the great compromiser as a praise, but history records it as derision. The giant of compromise will not stop with little gains. All of it. The giant can be seen today in our society. And my fear is this, that Christians are on the verge and have already moved into realms of bowing before the giant of social acceptability and spiritual compromise in our time. For the sake of getting along with those around us, at work, at school, in our neighborhoods, in politics, we will forego standing up for biblical standards so that people do not mock and ridicule us. We compromise how we behave, how we act, how we dress, how we speak, what we watch, what we think, what we allow to be watched in our homes. Social media, acceptance of things that the Bible clearly says is wrong is being played out before the eyes of millions every moment of the day. Folks, parents, grandparents in charge of kids, you've got to monitor what's coming before the eyes of the children. But, but, but everybody has that app. Yes. I was relieved a little bit. Uh, the government finally saw that TikTok was 
bad because it was Chinese influence. No, it was satanic, satanic influence. Being brought right into the palms of the hands of the kids. Unfettered, unrestricted, they can watch this, they can, wa they can hear that, they can see this, they can be a part of that. And predators are out there trolling for our children in the devices we gave to them without watching over them. We have gotten acceptable. Well, do you have a phone? Yes, I do. Can you do this? Yes, I can. How about this? Folks, social acceptability and spiritual compromise will be the death of the Christian home in our day. It wasn't a long time before there were giants in the land. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. To appear, well, everyone's doing it, Dad. Well, Mom, everybody. I didn't like it then, but I'm glad now that my mother said, well, that's not true, Kenny, because you're not. Social acceptability, spiritual compromise in our homes will leave our kids and our grandkids, our nieces and nephews, in the clutches of evil people who want to force feed them the doctrines of demons and devils. My friends, have you not seen the display of evil that's on in the month of October. Every airwave and every witches are lauded as great, great uh, folks to model after. And casting spells and all of these kind of things when it becomes acceptable to our children. And you know the devil's going to be there to draw them with that like a magnet and to pull them like strings on a marionette and make them dance to the tune that the devil wants them to dance to. Just before the people went into the promised land, the people of Israel, The Lord took Mount Ebel and Gerizim and wrote the thou shalts and thou shalt nots on them. Don't do this. This is God's way. Don't do this. That's the devil's way. And every time they passed between those two mountain ranges, they were reminded that the names were written and the, the rules and laws were written. And it got to a place, though, they were going into the land of Canaan and not being able to dislodge 
Jebusites and others, and thinking that they could coexist with keeping their mouth shut and that their lives would not be affected by the evil compromise. And Joshua stood up before them and says, you decide whether you serve the God who brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand, the God who struck down every false God of Egypt with mighty plagues. You can choose him or you can choose the gods that you, they were serving back in Egypt. Your choice. But I've made a choice for me and my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to live according to his ways and his precepts and his laws. Joshua realized he could not make them do anything, but he said, I want to let you know, you can serve the gods that our God already defeated Or you can stand with me. I don't care. As for me and my house, irrespective of what anybody else does. But, but, but my relatives won't understand. I don't care. Joshua just flat out did not care. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This giant of spiritual compromise and social acceptability comes on slowly, but it gets a hold of your spirit. We need to take possession, repossession of our homes. We need to take spiritual possession over our children, what they watch, what they wear, where they go, what they accept, what, what their conversations are. Are they becoming more like Jesus or more like the world in which they are? Then, folks, we need to gather them back in a little bit closer and a little bit tighter. But, but, but that will, you know, we want them to have all these friends. Do you want them to have friends that will lead them in the path of Cain's lineage or Seth's lineage. That spiritual giant of compromise is all over the scene right now. I came in this morning, I staked out some territory down here. I can't do it for you. I can only do it for me. Years ago, before we even had children, Linda and I determined how we were going to raise them. Was not easy. You have to become impervious to whining. 
dead. We want to do this. We want to do that. Can we do this? Can we do that? We'd already determined the standards by which we lived. It's easier when you determine the standards by which you're going to live. You're going to do it God's way. It will be hard. You say, well, we've, we've let down, you know, on a lot of these areas to, to keep our kids happy, and how do we re love them enough to say you were wrong? Hmm? Are you too big of a person or too small of a person to do that? I'll never forget times when I would talk to my son and admit I was wrong. He said, what? What was that? What? What was that? Smart mouth kid. Uh, be big enough to admit you've messed up. You say, but all my kids are grown, Pastor. It's never too late to admit you messed up. And you love them enough that you want to tell them. I'm praying for you to come back under that place of relationship with God. I've staked out a place for myself up here. As for me and my house, I'm going to keep serving God. You say, well, you're an old man. You know, you don't have that much, much time left. You know. But you know what? Noah was an old man too. And though there were giants in the land, and just his family trying to follow the Lord, he took a stand. And he didn't compromise the preaching of righteousness and the living of a righteous life right in their face. If I'm the only one standing here this morning, it's been done before. But I'm calling the families here. You say, well, I'm the only one in my family. Good place to start. As for me, and my house. I'm going to watch what I bring into it. What I accept into it. That's right. Thought processes. One final negative illustration. Have you seen that ad? Church of Christ Congregational Pastor in Columbus, Ohio. He starts off with his finger on a Bible passage and he reads a third of it. You should not judge. He doesn't read the context and he doesn't read the whole verse that Jesus spoke. And he says, we, we shouldn't judge anybody else about the decisions they make. It's a personal matter about where, whether to kill the unborn or not. Just a personal matter. Folks, it's not personal when God has already determined that it's sin, that it's wrong.
It's not a personal matter. But he goes on to say that, you know, government needs to stay out. Well, you're just trying to bring government into it to legalize the wholesale slaughter of the unborn. And that if you're a parent here or a grandparent, That young girl does not have to get your permission to have an abortion. The state, the government, can keep it away from you and your house. Folks, it's evil. It's straight from the pit of hell. Uh, call me narrow-minded. You're narrow-minded. Yes, I am because there's a straight way and a narrow way. And I'm narrow-minded. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. As the musicians begin a song of invitation. Better yet, better yet, better yet. Stop. I'm just going to ask them to put a song on. Put a song on up there or no music at all. It doesn't matter to me. They didn't have a song playing when Joshua spoke up. He looked at all the people of Israel and said, you do what you want to do. You can worship the gods that God already defeated, or you can worship the God that brought you through on dry ground through the Red Sea. It's up to you. You do what you want. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? You can stand and stay where you are if you want to, but I'm just letting you know what I'm going to do. This old dude is going to walk up to this altar and reaffirm my decision that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No giant of spiritual compromise and social acceptability it's up to you dear Jesus
See you. 